All right, well, John now has the keys again on this podcast, recording it to his device, not the uh, not to mine. So uh, we apologize to our listeners for any sort of technical difficulties. It's not John's fault. Uh, this is not what he does daily. And uh, Zoom is being a little testy with us, but uh, we got to get going. We got things to do. Um, and uh, we got some exciting stuff to share. So uh, tune in on this Let episode. Just start over. No, we are not starting over. Well, there's the cold open right there. <laughs> Anyways, welcome to the Nerd Brand Podcast, everybody. I'm your host, Jason. That's Mitch, and that's John. And we don't have a guest because we're going to talk about ourselves today. It's not a narcissistic thing. Eh, it's just one of those slow weeks, and we're kind of glad that it's Friday. I hope you are, too. Uh, so lots of stuff has been going on in the world of branding today. Uh, some of the things we got that we're going to talk about really quickly run through some bullet points. And uh, John, do you have those in front of you? Uh, I do. All righty, cool. Well, let's start with the first one. We'll phrase it as a question, and then we'll kind of answer through it. But mostly the topic is today, uh, why a branding agency or alternative title is, uh, what is nerd brand? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I've had that question asked me like six or seven times. <laughs> so I'm like, all right, let's break it down. But first, I think we'll focus on like your first bullet point. Am I? You're the host. Yeah, right, yeah. Yeah, you wrote it. <laughs> Is that how this works? So That's how we're this the works. guest, right? You, yeah, you wrote it. You wrote them. I didn't write them. You hey, were like, hey, let's talk about a, this. It was just a mild suggestion to you, to the host. Uh, I mean, the first one is, is branding agencies function best on, on long-term partnerships. Uh, they're not typically, hopefully, not typically in it for the quick buck. Uh, I mean, the... The rationale there, I think, is, is for me is coming across a lot of people who have been burned by agencies, who have been burned by freelancers and, and people who are just in it to make a quick buck or, you know, maybe exaggerate their capabilities a little bit to make that, you know, to make that sell. Um, I think a good branding agency is is in it for the long haul. Um, they kind of have to be in, in, in the sense of you can't turn branding on and off. It's always on whether you're paying attention or not. The customers are paying attention. So you can't just kind of stop and go. Uh, I think you, you likened it to it's a river. It needs a constant flow. And if not, then I don't know what happens to a river that doesn't flow anymore. It's not a river, but it dries up. It's, it, it pulls up at the end and it stagnates and a bunch of mosquitoes get in and everybody's got malaria. <laughs> That's what happens. <laughs> That's a good analogy. <laughs> well, I mean, the, the whole idea is that there's, you know, there's priorities, but there's a progression to how these things work. There's there's logical first steps, and then there are logical next steps. Okay. So instead of looking at I have to fill this slot for this task to be done, it's not task oriented; it's process oriented because each element in solid branding and solid marketing feeds the next step of the process. If you just have people addressing those elements in the process independently without any thought to the workflow and to the logical direction of the process, you're not going to, you're going to create a lot of smoke, but no fire. 
you're 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 not gonna you're not going to accomplish anything other than just keeping people busy and working their butts off for no good reason. Yeah, yeah, it's very hard for us to uh, to do anything at that point because uh, for us in the company, for those listening, John is our director of accounts and he's our chief marketing officer. His uh, his primary duty is to, to go in tactically as a marketer and, and figure things out. But I, you know what? I'm, I'm explaining things about John and John's here. I'll just let John talk. <laughs> nope, go on with your train of thought. I don't know. What you're <laughs> I have no idea where you were heading. Well, no, it's like, <clears throat> so a lot of people want to start with marketing because that's the buzzword. A lot of people start with a website because they think that's the immediate need because visually they look at it. They don't like what they have or they don't have one. But the immediate need is actually what's going to go on those items. What's what, what's the copy that's going to go on the ad? What kind of imagery are you going to put on the website? Copy being words goes on the website. But the copy, it's not just copy alone. It has a message. It has a voice. It has a tone. And I've used the analogy before that if you are Winnie the Pooh, do not write copy, create ads, do videos with scripts that make you sound like Tigger. And for God's sakes, please don't become Eeyore. So there's a specific tone to to your cop. So you can have various tones. We can be playful and we can be very formal. But I don't think NerdBrand is a type of, we don't do a lot of inside nerd jokes, even though nerd's in our name. You know, if I say Han shot first, a large population is like, what the, what's a Han? So, you know, we don't really do a lot of that. Even though we do know that, and we do have debates about that internally, but, you know, like I said, nerd's not a gimmick. Nerd is like an actual thing. Mitch gave me a Batman signal yesterday, so there's your random fact if you're listening right now. Um, But that's kind of the way that we are, but we don't communicate in that way. Uh, So we have a specific uh, tone. We have the voice is always the same because it's us. But uh, we are trying, you, you want to be careful of those things. Now, from a tactical marketing perspective, like when John get when it gets to John and gets anybody that does marketing, you know, there's the, that sets the boundaries, it sets expectations of what's uh, okay and what's not okay. Because, you know, what if you're selling something serious and you kind of leave a pun in there? <laughs> uh, has anybody ever noticed how that travels across Twitter and what happens in the news media when they get a hold of it? Like, it doesn't go well, you know, if it doesn't fit you. <laughs> and that's my train of thought on that is the tactical side of that is yeah. developing yeah. a strategy out or executing. Uh-huh. Well, it runs straight into the next one, which is marketing without branding is probably going to fall fall flat. Um you know, you have the analogy of market marketing is asking for the date. Branding gets you the yes. Uh, for me, it's, you know, we explain it all the time. It's you can have tactics. You can be buried in tactics. You can be on every social channel pushing out stuff. If it's not done in the context of a higher strategy toward a toward a vision, toward an end goal, toward a, a, a unified customer experience it's not going to be as effective as you need it to be. Um, I mean, I think we beat that horse to death on the podcast and yeah, in yeah. every prospect <laughs> meeting and everything. So, yeah, I mean, you know, it's like the, because right now a lot of, uh, as being blunt, not really attacking anybody or anything like that, but I know that it's confusing. You hear what, when you hear marketing, what does that mean? When you hear branding, what does that mean? Um, sometimes people pitch it together. 
they're not together actually they're completely different um we would actually work with, we're happy to work with a marketing we love working with a marketing director or somebody that's in communications or just in that channel like we're not there to take your job we're there to help enhance what you're doing i've been trying to trying to think of because we talk about strategy and tactics and you know we use the term brand strategy all the time and it's kind of like what is what is that <laughs> it's a very kind of ambiguous vague term that everybody yeah. around frankly um so i've been trying to like tie it down into something real world that i think a lot of people are probably familiar with maybe not have, maybe they haven't thought about it super in depth but uh and it's you know that's a company we talk about all the time it's apple but uh kind of their think different philosophy that that campaign as a whole i mean I, when that occurred apple knew that like their competitors couldn't deliver high quality products uh even more threatening like their competitors frequently released products that were better than apples just from a mm -hmm. technical features and benefits perspective they still do i think we've talked about that plenty where on a very technical level a lot of what apple puts out and pitches as you know revolutionary or the best has been being you know samsung's been doing it for a few years or something you know um so it was kind of like, how could Apple sway customers knowing that their competitors couldn't actually probably at the time produce better products? Um, and it kind of goes into Apple's ideal customer. They knew that they were like creators, innovators, early adopters. They wanted to be different, right? So that, that's kind of where that think different mentality, you know, that, that was a strategic positioning. Uh, and it wasn't just words that they came up with. Uh, it went all the way to the core of product development. Apple products look different. They work differently. They feel different. Uh, it's a, you know, end-to-end like -end closed system versus what their competitors were doing, which was mostly open source. Mm -hmm. So it's just, it, when you think of strategy, it's not just like, I want this customer. It's more, it's, it's more broad than it's more holistic. It's going to go all the way down to your customer service, your, your product development, your ads obviously and the messaging and the tone that you take and things like that so to me that's a good example of a real world uh, you know strategy that came to life and that people can really kind of tangibly see out there yeah yeah i mean you brought up like early adopters and and people like that like there's a wave and i can't remember what it's called but you know at the very bottom of that is your early adopters you get like in the next phase up, these are the people that saw the early adopters adopt it and they're like, ah, I'll give it a try. It's like early and majority then, or something like that. Something yeah. Like. And then the next part of the wave, like at the peak of the wave, you know, because it's like a hill up and down, right? Mm -hmm. At that peak, that's the sweet spot. Those are the people that are absolutely convinced because the early adopters and those other people bought it. Now, at the bottom of the wave on the other side, those are the people still buying rotary phones. So obviously, those are not the people you want. So your strategy has to align with where on that scale are you trying to hit? Because if you're going to talk to early adopters, whew, man, that's a hard sell. You got to be very philosophical. You got to hit them in the heart. You got to hit them in the mind. Like they got to feel like I'm going to be a part of something major. But the other people at the top, they're like, my dollar, it's a dollar. You can't just ask for it. <laughs> So, what's the proof that this is actually going to help me and fulfill a need? Mm -hmm. So there's a John, difference. Jonathan hit on something important here, and it, it, I mean, it ties back to user experience, but not in the conventional sense of user experience. It's user experience in that 
from the way that a person interacts with your product on a personal level, just them and the product, and translating that experience through every step of the brand journey, if you will. People have the same kind of, they, Apple is religious about having people having that same experience when they go into the Apple store or when they go to their website or they encounter a piece of you know, literature within the, within the product itself, product packaging itself and the product packaging itself. Yeah, that's a whole, that's a total experience. It's, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Videos, it's, Google it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, user experiences, you know, might be a considered a fairly recent term that's being thrown around, but it's, it has more to do, it has to do with more than just that experience with the product itself. It's, yeah. the, it's your experience with your brand as a whole. And it goes back to what Jonathan was saying about yeah. being holistic and you're philosophically yeah. about it. But when talking about, about strat- but when talking about strategy, uh, part of what a, the point that I was transitioning from with John, like what you were saying, Jonathan, like they did a whole think campaign, like they did a whole, a whole think different was an actually a very aggressive print campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, they were hitting those early adopters. They were, cause they knew that they knew that there was something there and they had to do something to, I feel like to target that. Cause they knew they weren't going to, no one starts at the top of that peak. Like if you start at the top of that peak, you're like a unicorn, you know, but I think they knew that those in the middle to get to that, they had to like hit the early adopters. And if you look at Apple now, like you said, Mitch, I mean, it's like a religion almost, you know, I mean, they know everything they interact with, every single piece of of material they interact with, including the purchasing of the product. Like Apple has evolved to that top of the peak now. I mean, that's that's where they're at. That's hard to stay there, though. That's the other thing. That's the challenge they're having now, which is that they've got these people who adopted the brand, adopted the products, but they don't want to keep doing that. So now you have these people. I mean. We're among them who have iPhone sixes, iPhone eights. They don't necessarily want there. There is that segment of the market that's still going to stand in line. But Apple's yeah. challenge now is how do we get the people that we convinced in the past to be on our team? How do we get them to to keep being on our team and keep upgrading? Yeah, because those people like us, they're they're, they're kind of at the bottom. I mean, I'm never going to buy a rotary phone, but I'm kind of on the, the the downside of the other side of that peak where I'm like, this thing works. I don't have yeah. problems with it. I like it. I'm comfortable. Apple's got to figure out how to inspire me to go back to the other side and not be an early adopter and maybe not be in that sweet spot at the peak, but be in that one place in between the two that is going to go out and get the latest iPhone. Mm-hmm. That, that's, yeah. that's the challenge. So that's I think Right. Right. And that strategy has to, you have to be able to, to pivot a little bit in your strategy too, because nobody saw COVID coming. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people, were stuck at home. They couldn't go to the office. Some people didn't have a paycheck for extended periods of time. So, you know, you have to, when those kind of things come up, you have to be able to pivot your message in a way that's still true to your brand, but takes into account, okay, given current conditions, people aren't going to be able to as, as comfortably make that expense for that next new iPhone or that next iPad or the next MacBook Pro because of these extenuating circumstances. That's when it, you really have to make sure that you can adjust in such a way that you keep those people on board so that when things do ramp back up, they're coming back in, but still maintain yeah. your, your brand message. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's a daily minute to minute effort that you never walk, you never step away from and come back to. You're yeah, always piloting that wheel. You're always piloting that wheel. 
there's different audiences too within that now because Apple's so big. Like not every brand's going to start out and be this way, but the goal is one day you get there. Like the new MacBook Pros are beautiful. It's great. Oh, we got these extra colors. But my age group is like, yeah, but I'm fine with what I got, right? I'm fine with the old gray. <laughs> I don't need, I don't need color on that, you know? Um, so that the, the, the age demographics become different and do affect that scale. Younger audiences will typically become those early adopters. So innovating visuals, uh, it will create that it has to be in that strategy how the, what the visuals are whether that's an ad where that's the product where if it's at the website whatever it is visually you engage with as um uh, we want to thank uh previous podcast guest we had uh, jason bernard saying people see before they read um you know that that happens <clears throat> people see before they read anything so they're very good at capturing your attention on the next shiny object and then once you're in the door there, like you said, Mitch, they interact with these things and they're like, well, yeah, you know, the, the red, the blue one's nice, but it does this in the hard drive and it has this storage. And I like to edit photos. So, you know, it's regardless of the color, I really need to go this way and pick this product they offer because that's going to do photo editing really well. That's, that's kind of an example. Yes. Yeah, I think uh, it goes back to kind of the first point and the overall why, why I have a branding agency on retainer or, or very close to you routinely. I mean, even if a pandemic doesn't strike, you're still going to have to pivot pretty routinely, maybe not quite as extremely as we had in the past year. But, uh, you know, trying to bring in an agency or bring in outside people who are going to have to there's a learning curve in your business. So if they're going to have to learn for three months or six months, then make the pivot. You might be too late. So it's kind of like <clears throat> having a branding agency right there alongside you. They're learning your business. There's kind of economies of scale in terms of education that you can take advantage of when you need to pivot and then like you said jason visual a lot of it's it's messaging plus visual so there's a lot of creative needs that have to be knocked out quickly to get whatever the pivot message is out there um, and again if you're trying to scramble and bring in a random freelancer or bring in an agency mm -hmm. you know you may not have the funding to do it by that point or or whatever, if it's, you know, like a competitive pivot that needs to be done because somebody released a product or did something exceptional that's kind of just slamming your business to the ground. What's yeah, the next one, John? The next one is you can't DIY your brand to the top. Uh, you know, that, that goes in probably more applicable to startups, to small businesses that really can't afford to internalize a lot of, in, you know, a lot of marketing leadership or, or you know, personnel. But it also applies to big brands that, uh, you know, I've seen a few job descriptions recently that are trying to DIY themselves to the to continue to be successful. They're already very national retail chains, but, uh, you know, you got to have professionals at the table. It's not something it's not something that one person can be great at graphic design and strategy and social media and this and that. you got to have specialists who can really pour their time, bring their passions to the table and bring their expertise to the table. Um, I think we see a lot of, a lot of people and unfortunately it's budget related usually, um, uh -huh. or just operations internally are not quite as organized as, as is needed to be able to afford to bring in that outside professional help. But it's mandatory, not one person, no business owner, no, not even a marketing director can do everything that's needed to really push a brand forward. Well, you know, the other thing about yeah. DIY is even with larger corporations, 
who bring in and build large internal, like internal advertising agencies. I mean, I've always felt, and I, I think it's valid, that the benefit of having an outside branding agency alongside you is they're not internal. They see you from the outside. I mean, they see you from the inside too because you have a, a, rela a working relationship with them. They understand how your internal mechanisms work, but they still are outside the four walls of your business. They see how the public truly reacts to you. They see mm -hmm. what you look like to the larger world in a way that you can't. Um, I've always said that, you know, your brand is not a mirror. Okay. The way you perceive internally your brand to be likely isn't exactly how it exists in the real world. So that's a, that's another value I think to being external and not internalizing too many of these functions is because it gives you an objective outside uh, view of what the, how the world sees your brand so that, because that's, that's what matters. It matters far more what the world thinks of your brand than it does of what you inside the brand think about your brand because your perception yeah. perception is often wrong. I think that that objective outside perspective too, from uh, when you get in large organizations or certain industries, the internal politics, if you want to call them that kind of prevent certain decisions from being made. And sometimes it takes that outside force to, to put some inertia behind making the right decision or, you know, there's just gridlock or just an uncertainty. Maybe somebody's in a, a seat that they're not really sure which direction is the best where well, you're tapping into outside experts and specialists who can, who can confidently say, well, path A is the best. And this is why, and we, here's how we can support you in that. So you kind of, you unlock some, some gridlock within the, the organization and, and speed them up, which, you know, the faster you can go and, and make good decisions quickly, I mean, that is business, that is being competitive. So I think it helps to have that strategic outside perspective that's not biased, doesn't care about the people's emotions and the other department, you know, as much as we can. Um, not that we don't care, but you get the point. It's, it's that we're more objective as much as a human can be um, and pushing you in the direction that we feel is going to best align with whatever the vision is or whatever the goal is to, to get done. We're in it for the long haul. Some agencies aren't. Uh, I don't know how we necessarily prove that other than through doing good work and letting people talk for us. Um, but I do, I'm a big fan of the, the idea that there are just some people who are better at things. Uh, I think, you know, people are like, well, why should I work with you or whatever? It's like, well, why should you pick Michael Jordan or LeBron James to be on your basketball team? Not saying we're <laughs> not saying we're the, the Michael Jordan of branding, but like, there are people who are just better. You don't have to argue about it. There are people who are just better than the guy sitting on the bench. No offense to the yeah. guy sitting on the bench. Have but you been watching Space Jam? I have not watched the second one. I don't think I Because <laughs> right there, as soon as you said LeBron James and Michael Jordan, I was like, have you been watching the new Space Jam? And I'm sad I left Kobe out of it. No, I haven't. And <laughs> again, I know it's getting a lot of criticism too. And I thought it was, it was an interesting point. I saw it in a meme or something. It was like, uh, this movie was made for children. It's not made for the 40-year-olds who watched the first Space Jam. It's not, right. it's not a nostalgic play. It's supposed to be goofy and silly and make no sense. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that's part of our podcast. We get into the nerd stuff. You can kind of hear it. We don't get into it as heavy as we used to because of the interest and the feedback and guests. But 
Oh boy, yeah, that would be uh, that would be an episode right there about nostalgic marketing. We dive back into that one again and go like, remember when we said <laughs> like nostalgic yeah. broadcasts on nostalgic broadcasting? Yeah, I know. So, anyways, uh, we got anything we want to plug, John? I can't remember. You 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 told me something, and um, I don't know, man. I'm sorry. I don't know. <laughs> I'm sure we got a lot, everything we just talked about is something that we can help you with, whether it's, you know, starting at the beginning with logo and brand identity to uh, getting a website and making sure all the things that uh, are necessary to support a web design are in place up to, you know, running ads, radio ads, media. Uh, I know everybody's out kind of busting their butts at, at networking events and trying to get out there conferences or, or kicking back up trade shows where you're getting some some interest from some of our clients. Uh, we can support that sales collateral signage pop-ups anything and everything i mean mm -hmm. i had to plug i, I plug us <laughs> cool. yeah so there you go folks uh you can visit us at nerdbrandagency.com and uh if you want to know nerdbrand is uh spelled with a capital n and a capital b as one word because when you it comes from my background in wordpress wordpress is a capital w and a capital p and it's one word and it's part of their branding and it's a part of ours as well. So if you're kind of wondering, is that supposed to be one word? Yeah, that's actually supposed to be one word. Uh, and that's where it comes from. That's the that's the background on that and why it's done that way. Uh, fun little tidbit to finish up for everybody uh, as we close out the show. But yeah, you can visit us at nerdbrandagency.com. You can find us on everywhere on social media at nerdbrandagency, except YouTube. Uh, go to YouTube. Find, just find us on YouTube. You just do a search for nerdbrand, you'll find us. And uh, like and subscribe, hit the bells if you want to get updates on the next podcast. So make sure you do that. That'll help us also get our vanity URL uh, because YouTube's got some pretty strict restrictions on like, you know, what qualifies and what will, what won't for that. So we are building that up. It's very diff. It's more probably the toughest channels I think anybody can endeavor to go on is YouTube. Uh, so, anyways, do all that. Keep listening and keep your nerd brand strong.